church. You'll be with us on Sunday. A quick question. How many of you guys remember back in the day playing a game called hide-and-go-seek? Anybody play hide-and-go-seek? Anybody remember that? Weren't those the greatest times? And I, and I, I was just thinking about this as I was preparing. Um, I, I, want, I worry that the younger generation doesn't get to do those kind of things anymore. I worry that, you know, I think we've taken recess out of most all the schools now. And I'm telling you what, there was nothing cooler than to play hide-and-go-seek at recess in the middle of a field with one tree and a slide. <laughs> it was more hide-and-chase. <laughs> it's more what it was. And, uh, and I can just remember over the years that being one of my favorite games as a kid. Let's just get a, little, a quick show of hands. How many of you guys would rather hide? Then seek. How many of you guys were more into the hiding part, all right? How many of you guys like, you like finding people? That was like, there you go. See, these people are, watch them. They're, 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 uh, they're, 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 you know, following you in the middle of the night. I just want you to know wherever you post. And uh, I, I do, I really do, uh, I really did love that game. In fact, I was laughing as I was telling Miss Jamie some of what I was going to be sharing on today. Uh, I remember playing hide and go seek uh, once we got saved at the church. And uh, the church, you know, youth group had a lock-in one night. And we played hide-and-go-seek. And I remember hiding in the ceiling tiles. And, uh, and in those days, I was about 75 pounds lighter. So the ceiling tiles uh, somehow held me up. And they looked for me for an hour. I can also remember back in the day, we played hide-and-go-seek. And I remember being the guy looking for the people. And uh, found the cutest girl. And then just abandoning the whole game. And me and her went and hid. And so anyway, uh, anyway. So... As we jump in today, I really want to make that a springboard into our key passage today. Our key scripture is found in Matthew chapter 7. Turn there with me in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 8. Now, this is uh, part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew 5, 6, 7, and 8. So this is the moment where Jesus kind of lays out all his doctrine to everyone. He, he comes along the mountainside, all these people gather, and he just starts teaching. And a lot of his teachings are unhinging what... Christian, uh, God following culture had become the religiosity of it. And Jesus is literally bringing things into right order. Like this is how God really sees it as the son of God. Let me explain that to you. And he goes in verse seven into this concept that you may hear around here a lot, because every time I'm praying for you for healing and miracles in your life, I'm typically quoting this passage. Let's pick up in verse seven, ask, and it will be given to you. Look at our little words here for our sermon. Seek and you will find. I've titled the message today, Seek and Find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Who receives? Everyone. Hmm. And who seeks does what? Find. It's in the same line of thinking. Everyone who asks receives. So therefore, and he's in the same concept, everyone who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be open. The reason why this is so important for me to download into who you are, I want to get this down in your DNA. I want to set you free from old religious concepts and old broken concepts. God wants to be found. He's looking for people who will seek him. When you seek him, you might. If you're good enough, doesn't say any of that. If you seek him, you will find him. This is critical. This is a critical understanding in a relationship. Each and every one of us that are married know what it is, and, 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 and the poor wives, and we get in counseling, and they always tell us, I remember when he used to chase after me. And then now that we're married, he don't even care. And it's amazing because if you remember the dating season, fellas, come on now, 
It was amazing how whatever she was doing, you was, you was showing up there like a stalker. I mean, you were trying to get this woman's love and affection, and you would do anything for that relationship. Before you got that ring on her finger, you were chasing her and going after her, and you were seeking her. But once you got her, you're like, well, I got her now. And I think that's what we do in our Christian walk. Are you with me today? And Jesus wants to be sought after. In fact, look what Psalms chapter 14 and verse 2 says about how God wants to be sought after. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand who seek God. God looks down on the sons of men. He looks down on, on, on earth. Will anyone chase after me? Will anyone try to find me? Will anyone pause their life long enough to see where I'm at, what I'm doing, and come and be a part of that with me. Well, anyway, the Lord looks earnestly on who will seek him. That's what the word says. In fact, when we look in scripture, we find there's, there's a man in scripture that in his generation, he was one of the closest men on the planet to God. A guy by the name of David. King David. In fact, it says about David that David had the heart of God beating in his chest. Man after God's own heart. They loved the Lord. But David sinned. He had a man murdered. He was in adultery. God looked past all of that and forgave him because there was something about David that was different. And we find some of this in Psalm 63 in verse 1. Look what David says. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. And look at the beautiful wording that he puts in there. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Oh, God, I know I'm broken. Oh, God, I know I'm not perfect. Oh, God, I know that I mess up this whole world. But you are my God. And I will seek you. I will seek you like a man who's out in the des desert where the crown is all cracked open because it doesn't have any water. I will seek you until I grab a hold to you. And when I grab a hold to you, I'm not letting you go. This is the desperateness by which God wants us to operate in so that, uh, that we portray our love for him around everyone around us. That We love our God. And I don't care what it takes, I'm going to find him. I'm seeking to find him. One of the funnest things in the hide-and-go-seek was when you would discover that person. You're looking, and, they sitting, and you're like, I wonder if they're, ah, they're there. And that was the whole joy of the game, was not only finding them, but them being found. The discovery of it all. God is so deep and so wonderful and so majestic, you haven't even tapped into an ounce of his being yet. You can live a hundred years and not even know a percent, a one percent of who he is. He wants to be discovered because in him are riches evermore. In him are the beauties of life and the deep things of God. He literally says, I will not just hand them out like a free pass to somewhere. I'm not just handing them out, standing out in front of the grocery store, trying to sell something nobody else is going to buy. So I'm giving you discounts. I want to be sought because what I got is so much deeper than anything you will find on this planet. He looks for those who will seek him. For if you seek me, you will find me. If you chase after me, you will find and discover truths that blow everyone's minds 
for I am the God of heaven and earth. And I'm telling you today, we need a generation that will seek the Lord. We need a generation that says, you know what? All this wickedness going on around me, I don't have time for it. I'm going to go find God. And I'm going to find him in the nighttime. I'm going to find him in the daytime. I'm going to find him driving down the highway. I'm going to find him in the conflict at work. I'm going to find him in the difficulties that I'm experiencing in my marriage. I'm going to find God. Because if I seek him, I will find him. And if I find him, all of my difficulties will go away in a moment. Because where God is, where his presence is, there is fullness of joy. And I tell you something, we have gotten to a place. I, I, I wonder why the world has not sought after the one true God. I wonder why we as Christians stop seeking after God. A couple of thoughts here. Here's a couple of things that I think why humanity doesn't really seek after God. Number one, I think it's pride. I think pride. I think we have come to the place where I'm self-sufficient. I don't really need anything. I can do it in my own strength. And friend, I'm telling you something. I'm old enough at this point in my life to go, I do not know how to keep my marriage together. I need God. I, I've come to the place of true humility. I've blown it enough and messed up enough people and hurt enough people trying to do it in my own strength that I have figured out a secret, and that is I need God. I need him. I need him to help me. I need him to help me lead you. I need him to help me to be a good husband. I need him to help me know how to navigate all the political mess that we live in in these United States. I need him. I need God. Look what Psalms 10 and 4 says. In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. If you're not seeking God, probably pride has gripped you. And there's a lack of true humility where you truly understand, I need help. I am a created being. I am not the Lord of my life. I am not the Lord of this earth. There is one, the great creator, and he has afforded to me to find him. If I put a little effort into it and I seek him, I will find him. This week, I, some of you may know, and I hope that you get to, to watch some of them or listen to some of them. We do a podcast called On The Real. And I had the privilege of interviewing some great people around the earth. Uh, they come into Dallas. They're a minister at the Bible School, Christ for the Nations. And, and since we're in partnership with them, we get to interview them. And I interviewed a man this week named Benny Yunt. Benny Yunt, in his 70s, probably almost into his 80s. Sweet man. Came to Christ when he was in his teens. Came to Bible School here at Christ for the Nations there in Oak Cliff in 1972 or 73, somewhere like that. Went back to the Carolinas where he's from. Rags to riches story. Rags to riches. Got some little banker to give him a little bit of money. He bought three little cars, put them out on the side of the road, sold those cars, bought some more cars. And now Mr. Yunt owns 30-something dealerships. And he was showing the students there at Christ for the Nations his different dealerships. He started with his new one, in, the, the Kia dealership, you know, the, the Kia cars. And, and then he went, you know, I think he had owned a Toyota dealership. And then when he moved into his Ferrari and Bentley deal, dealership, all these poor Bible school students were like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let the glory fall on us. We want that glory. I mean, this guy is a multi, 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 multi. He owns a NASCAR track. And so I'm sitting across from him, and I'm just interviewing him. You, you really, when we drop the podcast in a couple of weeks, you gotta, you gotta go listen to it. It's phenomenal. He, he's a sweet brother, real slow and methodical. And so, and so I'm having it like, you know, how spastic I am. And, and so, and so I, I asked him. I said, so, tell me this thing that happened to you recently. 
He said, during COVID, he woke up one morning and couldn't get out of bed. Something had happened in his back through the night. He worked with his local doctor for a couple weeks. Couldn't get relief. Went to the specialist. And when you're a man of this kind of means, you can fly anywhere and meet with anybody. And so he found the best of the best doctors. And the best they could come up with is they drilled down into his spine, reworked a nerve down through holes that they had drilled, and it didn't fix it at all. For three years, I think it was, maybe two and a half years, he was basically an invalid. And he sat there and he cried looking at me in this interview. And he said, I couldn't be a husband. I couldn't be a grandfather. I couldn't go to work. He said, I just... I, I, he said, I would wake up and I would so much pain. I, I, they would have to help me get to the bathroom. And I would sit in my little chair in the shower. And, and, and he said, and it just a second of relief, they had me on more medication. And he said, and I was trying not to take so much because I didn't want to become addicted to it. And he just went through two and a half years just suffering, 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 suffering. Finally, he came to his senses and he said, I need God. He said, I'd been a Christian. He goes, but I'll be honest with you, I was a little wayward. And he goes, and so I started watching Christian TV. And he said, I started watching. I could only sit and watch it for like 20 minutes. And then I just basically all but pass out in so much pain. And he said, and one day the little program that I kept watching wasn't on. And it was a different one. And, the guy, and this guy was talking about healing. And he said, here's what I want you to do. If you really want to trust, you've got to take a step of faith for healing. Now, this man is wealthy. This man has people working for the people who work for the people who work for him. And he said, this man looked into the TV and said, if you want to see God move in your life, you've got to take a step of faith. You've got to lower your pride, humble yourself, and take a step of faith towards him. He said, and so right now, someone who's in excruciating pain, if all you can do is stand up, I just want you to stand up. And he said, that's me. And he said, he stood up. And as he stood up, in his humility, I need you, God. God met him there and healed him in the moment. I mean, this guy had been to all of the top hospitals and doctors, and no one could fix him. If you seek me, you will find me. If you knock, the door will be made open to you. If you cry out to me, I want to be found, says God. I want you to care about me more than you care about yourself, but your pride's getting in the way. Humble yourself. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, the narcissist says, if he wants a relationship with me, he knows where I'm at. That's what the narcissist says. The humble man says this, if the creator wants a relationship with me, I will bend heaven and earth to be with him. But pride gets in the way. I can't tell you how many people, if there's a real God out there, and there's really God, he knows where I'm at. That pride is what literally keeps us. Again, back to that passage. In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all of his thoughts, there is no room for God. Is there room for God in your life? Will you humble yourself in your times of need and your times of goodness and say, God, I need you. I know you're blessing me right now, but I need you. I need you, God. I refuse. I refuse to think that somehow I have made this business work. I refuse to think somehow I made these kids act right. I refuse. I need you, God, like I've never needed you. You've gotten me here, and there's so much further to know in you and so much further to go in you. I humble myself, and I cry out, oh, God, I need to know you. I seek you where you can be sought. Here's the second reason I believe why humanity doesn't seek God, and that's because we've been tricked. We've been tricked into chasing after other things. Look how Psalms 4 and 2 says it. The Lord asks, sons of men, will you forever turn my glory into shame by worshiping these silly idols when, they, when every claim that's made for them is false? 
The Old Testament calls them idols. These things that we chase after, these things, because in the Old Testament, they, they would chase after these false gods to give them power, to help them bring in their harvest, to make it rain, to cause their animals not to get sick when all the other animals down the road are getting sick from some disease. And they would cry out to these false gods, and he's saying, listen, these false gods hadn't helped you. How silly do you have to be? How foolish do you have to be? You've been tricked. In the New Testament, it calls it, calls it the loves of the things of this world. The things of this world has pulled people away from God. They're chasing after money and, and fame and fortune and all these things. And what has that done for you? You've been tricked. You've been tricked that if you can just get that degree, you can be successful. And then what is success? Well, the success is if I can just have a happy marriage. And, 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 and then what else is success? Well, if I can just have a house that's paid for. If I can just make enough money that nothing can hurt our family, that we'll always have food on the table. And it's this trick. And these are little gods. These are little things of this world. He says, no, no, no. If you seek me, you will find me and I'll take care of my own. In fact, he says it like this. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says, and I'll take care of all the other stuff. So why do you run after what to eat and what to wear? Don't the pagans do this? He says, your God knows how to take care of you. If he takes care of the birds, he takes care of the flowers, will he not also take care of you? Seek me and you'll find me. Stay with me. Chase after me. Come find, come discover the greatness of who I am and what I have. It's like that guy who woke up one day. I was ministering to him. He woke up one day. I'll never forget. He came running over to, to, to talk to me. He goes, I've, I've wasted 40 years of my life. He'd been away from the Lord. He'd been chasing fame and money. And he woke up one day. Like the old preacher said, he woke up one day and realized that the ladder that he was climbing was hooked to the wrong building. And he said, I got nothing. I got money. I got prestige in my, in my industry. My wife hates me. My kids hate me. I don't know where God's at. Sickness and disease has come against my body. I don't have enough. I, all my money is spent trying to figure it out. And he had an awakening that he'd been chasing the wrong thing. Your God wants to be discovered by you. Do you understand it? In your God is healing. In your God is peace, joy, excitement, reason for living. Seek him and you will find him. Are you still with me today? Say yes. Here's the third reason I think that humanity won't seek God. And I think it's because they, they have a fear of not being enough. They have a fear. Just, I'm not good enough. I see that a lot in you guys. When I start believing with you, hey, let's believe for that. And you're like, uh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Let me just remind you. What Psalms 9 and 10 says, those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. I'll say it again. For you have never forsaken those who seek you. How many times has he forsaken those who sought him? Never. He will not forsake you if you will seek your God. If you'll chase after him every morning when you wake up and all throughout the day, no matter what you're doing for an income, I want to find you, God, in the middle of this. Where are you at in the middle of this conversation? God, I want to seek you. I want to know you. I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you under here. I'm looking for you under here all the time at my house. My kids would come to me as they were growing up. Dad, Dad, I can't find the remote. <laughs> Whatever it was. Can't find my shoes. And I would ask him, where did you look? How did you look? I, I looked. And then I would ask him this thing. We had this little saying in my house. Did you do a dad look? Or did you look the way you look? They're like, I don't know. I, I think I did a dad look. Now, you know, if I get up off of this couch and I go in your room 
and I look for it and I find it, you know what's going to happen with that. Yes, sir, I died. You're going to spank me. Well, I'm not going to spank you. This time I'll keep it. It's going to be mine. And I would always tell because this is how my kids would go look for something. I can't find it. I don't see it. And so I had to teach my kids, listen, when you go looking for something, you tear the place up. You move this, and you move that, set that over here, and you clean that up over there, and then you sit, and you think, where else did I go? And you go over there, and, you, and, and look, all they needed was about 90 seconds to watch me looking for something, and they got a revelation. And this is how some of us chase after God. If he's here, I know, where are you, God? I can't find him. If you seek me, you will find me. He's not mad at you because you're not good enough. He, does, he expects you to be you. He knows you. He knows you're an idiot, and he still loves you. Embrace the truth. <laughs> I mean, he, didn't throw, he made me a pastor. Ha! Heaven is getting a big kick out of Hill City. I'm going to just tell you right now. And you're like, that dude's a pastor. Can you believe the father made him a pastor? Like, he was always right there going to jail. I mean, he was on the verge. Are you with me? You're good enough, not because you did something great, because he did something great. It's not based on what you do or don't do right. Right? Because you're his son. You're his daughter. Seek him. Find the good things of God. There's this beautiful passage in Matthew chapter 15. I want you to go there with me in verse 21 through verse 28. Come on, Mansfield. Y'all better be clapping in there. Won't you know that you did? I'm preaching good. All right. All right, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from a demon possession. And Jesus said to her, sweet love, come here. Let me lay my hands on you. Let me hold you. Is that what it says? All right, three of you are paying attention. Mansfield was paying attention, Cedar Hill. I just want you to know. Verse 23, Jesus did not answer a word. That dude straight up ignored this woman. Jesus ignored this woman who's crying out for help. <laughs> he said, the next part of the verse, verse 23. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her. Listen, Jesus, dear God, Jesus, OMG, send her away for she keeps crying out after us i mean it's one thing for you to ignore her, but now because you won't do nothing she is driving us insane she's going to every one of us she even went to thomas and everybody knows thomas ain't gonna pray for nobody he got no faith judas just asked her for money before he would pray for her anyway he said send her away jeez come help us please do something for this woman in verse 24, then looks what he said. So first he ignores her. Then verse 24, he answered, I was sent only, he answered them, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. It's not, this is not my people. I'm not supposed to be doing it. I was supposed to come. I'm on task. I'm on, I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm on point. Verse 25, the woman then came and knelt before him. She pushed all them away around since he wouldn't respond to her. She, and and he's, she's hearing him have a conversation with him. And she says, forget all that. She put, pushes through all of them, comes and kneels down before him. Lord, help me, exclamation mark. She's crazy mama right now. Lord, help me, she said. In verse 26, he replied, it is not right 
<laughs> I want you to hear this conversation. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. First he ignores her, and now he insults her. Most of you, this is how you seek God. Lord, are you there? He didn't answer. I'm going back to sin. Maybe you get past that, and you go, no, I'm going to keep seeking him. I know he's there. I know he loves me. And, and you come to the pastors here, your small group leader, and, and you pray, and, and you go, I don't know where God's at, and you're hoping that they'll give you some kind of magic. Here's the truth you need to do. And then you're like, that wasn't good enough either. I still don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And so then you get the courage to so say, one more time, and you come to service, and you, Jesus, and then he insults you. He insults his woman, and he says, it's not right to give the food of the children's food to the dogs. I can't tell you how many people who are anti-God right now because he offended them. Because he didn't do what they wanted when they wanted it done. But here's the problem. His love cannot supersede his lordship. I'll let that sink for a second. He's Lord. You and I are not. And so that pride kicks in. And he didn't do it when I wanted it, how I wanted it. And we stop seeking him and we walk away. This woman refuses to stop seeking. And look what she says. Verse 27. Yes, Lord, she said. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Lord, they offended me over at that church. <laughs> and he says, really? Okay. Well, I ain't doing nothing for you. And she pushes back. No, Lord. Even the crumbs, though. <laughs> Just a crumb. Do you see this kind of seeking? And then verse 28, then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Great faith is connected to great seeking. Don't call yourself a faith-filled believer if you won't pass through the insults, pass over the rejection, pass beyond the insecurities. And say, but Lord, just a crumb. Lord, I just, I, I will stand in that service and it's just one song. Talk to me in one of those songs that they're singing. I don't even know them. I don't even know them. We had a new guy come to church a couple months ago. Never been to church a day in his life. And afterwards he said, man, that was a good, that was a good speech you gave. He told me it was a good speech. I said, oh, okay. He goes, I got a question. He goes, where do I get the karaoke songs? I said, what? He said, I don't know those karaoke songs. I've never heard those. And he, I said, our worship? He goes, oh, is that what y'all call it, worship? I was like, yeah. He goes, yeah. In fact, if y'all could get the little dot to go on each word, it would help me know how to sing it. I told the worship department, I was like, y'all need to get the little dot. That would be hilarious right there. He was looking for, some, he's looking for a Bud Light and some karaoke. He came to church. Anyway, <clears throat> woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed from that very hour. If this is what seeking looks like, how many of you would admit you're not real good at seeking God? Come on, let's be honest. All of, we all suck a little bit at seeking God. This is what it looks like. Seek me and you will find me. Knock 
In fact, in one passage, Jesus says, keep knocking, keep knocking, keep knocking, and keep knocking. Irritate the fool out of God. Seek him and you will find him. Don't do those little, you know, junior high kid look in their room for the shoes. You do a dad look where you turn things over and move things around. And God, I'm going to keep seeking you until I find you, until I get this healing, until I get this deliverance, until I have this understanding, until something breaks loose. I am not quitting on you. I am pushing forward. I want to discover the great things of God. Oh, I want to discover. We have a channel. We have a channel called the Discovery Channel. Oh, TV channel. Look at the little, look at the little octopus eggs. Look at how it comes in. And we're like, whoa. Baby, did you know? Like, who cares? But we like to discover new things. It's in our being. But yet we don't want to discover the great things of God. There's so much mystery in who he is because he's God. If he revealed everything to you at once, it would blow, fry your little 286 computer brain. It'd blow you out of the water. And that's why he wants us on a journey to find him. Lord, how are you? In, in, how are you? You said you'll never leave me or forsake me. How are you in the midst of this divorce? How could you be in the midst of it? I've got to seek you and find you out in the midst of this pain. I've got to seek you and find you. How are you alive in an earth that's doing this injustice and this pain? Lord, where are you in the midst? And you seek him and you seek him. And he says, if you seek me, you will find me because I will not run away from you. But I want the effort and the energy of being loved and being considered great. I want you to want me more than life itself and if you seek me you will find me and I will download the deep truths of heaven into your being and you will walk in a way that other people can't walk and you can say to everyone else I know him I found him and I continue to find him and when I'm confused and all alone and worried and insecure I go seek him and when I seek him I find him come on it's time to get a little bit better at seeking you say I can't find God that's probably because you're not seeking real well so let me give you, can I give you some practical, biblical concepts on how to be a little bit better at seeking God? Can we do that? Say yes. yes. All right, here we go. Start number one. Here's the practical keys that I would submit to you. If you do these things, you'll probably find him faster and a little bit better than you have in the past. Number one, ask God to reveal his value to you. This is our problem. This is the story. Lord, reveal your value to me. Because I obviously don't have a full understanding of how valuable you are really are sometime back I was sitting in a room I had a, I had a situation I needed like a divine connection I was praying for this business thing and I needed a divine connection I needed and I was sitting in a room with some people and a couple of them I didn't really know and as I sat at the table with these people I small talked with them and talked about myself blah 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 sat for a whole hour at a table left that table Got in the car with the person that I'd come with. And as we went to drive off, they said, you do know who you were sitting next to you, don't you? I was like, no, nah. he said his name was such and such. He said, you didn't ask him anything else? I was like, no, nah, I really didn't. He goes, that guy owns this, this, and this. And I, I was like, you got to be kidding me. This guy was, was, he's what I needed. But I didn't take the time to even find out who he was. So I had no value for him sitting at the table because I didn't know his value because I didn't seek out his value. I didn't know. And I think what's happened to many of us is we don't have a revelation of the value of God. We don't have any idea of his real value because if you knew for just a moment how great God was, you would do everything you could to get a meeting with him. 
You would do everything in your power to have a face-to-face with him. If you really had an understanding of who God of heaven and earth, who Jesus, his son, and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in them, if you had just even an ounce of understanding, of the, you would not let one moment go by without trying to get an appointment with them. You would not let one moment go by without trying to get their cell phone number. Excuse me, hey, man, I can get you a number. I can get you a number. Uh, yeah, sure. Because if you seek me, you can find me. I push no one away. All who come to me, I will give them rest. We've lost. We don't really understand. You would chase that. You would chase when, when something's valuable. You chase. You'll chase them down. Let me just say this to you. When I saw Jamie Lee Anglin with them big old blue eyes up front at our church worshiping Jesus with all of our heart and I had my hand, my arm around another girl and I heard the Holy Spirit say, that's the one for you up there. That's what you need. And I watched her for a couple years to see, man, did I hear God from that? Was I, was I just crazy? And I'll never forget when I heard him say, that's the one for you. And I'm like, you're right. She's amazing. Phenomenal leader. She's sexy as all. Get out. That's the one for me. And I started dating her. Can I tell you what those year and a half of dating look like? Let me just tell you. I saw the value in having this woman. I wouldn't let nobody get in. She had some little couple of dudes at our church that was interested in them. I made their life miserable. They were not going to win. Let me just tell you something. If I saw her talking to them at youth group, I wouldn't know, hey, what y'all talking about, man? That's, hey, can I just, I don't just, man, I just cut in on it. They didn't have enough personality to stop it. I just busted up and destroyed that conversation, won that. Let me tell you, so we started dating. She was in college, and I would get, I would go uh, get off of work at, so, you know, 5, 6, 7 o'clock in ministry, sometimes 8, 9 o'clock, and I would go to her dorm room, and we would sit out in the lobby, you know, so we could have accountability where everybody could see us, or we'd go out, you know, sit by the lake, you know, there on campus and stuff, and I would talk to her for hours and hours and hours about stuff I didn't care a flying flip about but I wanted her two three in the morning she just pour out her heart and in the back of my mind I'm like oh my god how long did I have to hear yeah that's awesome oh, let's pray about that oh my goodness oh we want to watch Anna Green Gables let's watch Anna Green Gables sorry I'm dating myself in the 80s you could not get married if you did not watch Anna Green Gables to understand the heart of a woman and so you know I would watch Anna Green Gables I did whatever I had to do because I wanted her are you with me I, I had conversations about stuff I didn't care a flying flip about. I went to, I went to plays. <laughs> People singing and acting. I mean, nothing manly about it at all. I went to plays to be with this woman. For if you seek me, you will find me. You need to ask the Lord, Lord, show me your value. Holy Spirit, show me the value of the God that I serve. Because once I get a hold of how valuable he is, I will not let anyone take him from me. I won't let any moment go by without seeking him. We've lost the true value. Because you think about that. If you had the opportunity to get a hold to a Ferrari, I don't care if you don't even like exotic cars, you would do whatever you had. You, it would be amazing. You would quit and work. Quit and work. Do whatever I got to do to go get this thing. Because you had the value in your heart and your mind about it. We've lost the value. Here's the second practical thing that I would teach you to do, and that is fight through the obstacles. You are going to have obstacles in finding God in the areas that you're going to have obstacles. Everything from, from physical problems to, 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 to busyness and schedule and jobs, and you're going to have all these obstacles, and I would teach you fight through them, fight through them, fight through them, fight through the obstacles. Fight through the obstacles. Find a way. To fight through the lies, 
the offense that people in the church have done to you or, or people that call themselves Christians have done. It's just, it's just life, right? So you've got to fight through to find God. See, God, that person right there hurt me, and they're supposed to be a minister. Right, they're human too. In fact, we tell you at this church, if you keep coming, we haven't, we haven't offended you yet, you just got to keep coming. We're going to get you one of these Sundays. We're going to get you a small group. We're going we're gonna to post something that ticks you off. You're like, oh, my God, I thought I hate these people now. Right? That's your true test. Is can I offend you and you'll still love me? And all the married people said, amen. Yes. Amen. And nobody offended that little woman more than me. Because I'm married to her. And I run my mouth. She doesn't. She's an angel. She has never done anything like that. Let's move on. Number three, practical ways on how to seek him and find him. Here's number three. You're going to need to learn to calm your surroundings. You need to calm your surroundings. We live in sensory overload. We live in, we live in such sensory overload that we can't find him, even though he's right there. God, where are you? He's like, I'm right here. I'm right here. God! Things are going all over in our life, and we've, you've got to learn to calm yourself. So I literally will wake up early, or I'll stay up late, or I'll go, I'll, I'll go cave time. I know some of you need to go out in nature. Some of you can sit in Starbucks and calm yourself, calm your world, because you need that. But for me, i got to literally do what I call cave time. i got a little back room at my house, and I just go lock up in it, turn everything off, and I just sit. And I play worship. I'm listening to Maverick City, and I'm just worshiping. And all of a sudden, I start hearing him. I start finding him. I start engaging with him. I can see him. I, start, I just start having this moment with him. Why? Because I've calmed my surroundings. I want to show you one of my favorite clips on YouTube, one of my favorite moments. Play that little clip for me. I want to make the point about your surroundings. I need my goggles. Say that again. I need my goggles. Tell the hour, what do you need? need my goggles where are they I don't know I can't find them that boy is so distracted there are waterfalls happening in the background kids picking their nose TTing in the pool he's at a water park every all this stuff is going on and he can't find his goggles because he's so distracted he needed to calm his surroundings to even find his goggles that are right there on his head God is right there with you he's been with you from the very beginning he hasn't abandoned you, but you've got so much going on and all these voices in your head, including your own voices, you need to calm that, calm your surroundings, go find your places, go sit in a quiet place. Say, God, I'm here to find you. You calm your surroundings, I promise you, he'll come into that truck. He'll come into that, he'll come into that, little, that little back bedroom that you have dedicated for when the grandkids come over. He'll, he'll have that little place. Come on, young person. He'll have that place. You go sit out there in that park, and you just go sit and say, Lord, where are you? You calm your surroundings, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, he's been right there the whole time. He's never left me or forsaken me. He's right there. But see, this is a practical step to seeking him because we're busy. One of the great tricks of the enemy is if I can't get you to deny Christ, I'll get you so busy that you don't live with him. You don't know him anymore. 
Every time I minister to couples that are struggling in their marriage, it always comes down to this point. We're both so busy doing other things that we've lost the relationship with each other. Calm your surroundings. And this would be the fourth, fourth little practical piece I would teach. It's real simple. Number four, write this down. Read the Bible. Read the Word of God. We have an entire Christian community that is biblically illiterate. You're counting on me to tell you what God says. He destroyed that 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, he rent the veil. We can come boldly into his presence. We don't need a go-between anymore. We have him. His name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. He has a holy word, and he is in his word. In fact, he's referred to in the book of John as the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God, referring to Jesus. Everything that God wanted to say to humanity, he said it through his son. He did it. He lived it out. He was practically the word of God living out on this planet. You have 66 books of scripture. God has revealed himself in his holy word. He said, I just can't find God. I don't know where he's at. I don't know what's going on in my life. Start reading the Bible every day. Start reading it every day. I would, I, would, I would encourage you to start with the book of Luke, then go into the book of Acts. In fact, we're on a Bible reading program right now with the church. We're doing this together. It's a little Bible piece that we've been doing. We've been going through the New Testament. I read it every day. I engage with it. Every time I read the word of God in my day, some revelation comes to me. Some goodness of his nature comes to me. He's reve he reveals himself. I find him because I turn over the pages, and there he is right in my midst. I was, two and a half years ago, I was very frustrated with the Church of America and also with Hill City. And I'm talking about the building of the services. That's not the church. We're the church. I was frustrated because we're in the middle of COVID. We're in the middle of this whole dynamic where injustice is being called out and then this is being pushed over here and these agendas, political agendas are happening and all this kind of mess. And I was dumbfounded that Christians were turning on each other. Couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that Christians let it become a black, white, Hispanic thing. Like, are you out of your ever living mind? We are one in Christ. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe what we did. I, I was ashamed. I was ashamed as a pastor of some of the people in our congregation. I was like, what? And I went before the Lord and said, Lord, either I, I need to either quit the ministry because I can't raise up true Christians. And the Lord began to give me revelation. He said, Adam, the entire United States body of Christ is illiterate. They don't have a biblical worldview. They view everything through politics. They view everything through their own personal goodness, whether they like it or not. They do not have a biblical worldview, which was a problem because I'm viewing everything in my world through what does the Bible say. I have a biblical worldview. I'm opposed to killing babies in the womb, not because it's an easy way to help end poverty in certain situations. I'm, a pu I'm opposed to killing babies in the womb because he says, in the mother's womb, I've already numbered your, your days. I already know who you are. I've fashioned you in your mother's womb. I believe destiny is in that womb. And, and, and then I read in where he says that he hates those who shed innocent blood. So not only in the womb, but what about these other people that we that we've, that we've put in jail that wasn't supposed to go to jail? And all this corruption, he hates that stuff. And so I have a biblical worldview on those things because what does the Bible say? Not what does the, the politicians say, not what the rich people say, not what Hollywood says. I could care a fly and flip what they say. I want to know what God says and I want to live it out. And I thought every Christian did the same. 
And so then I had this revelation through that whole period of COVID, and we're fighting Trump, no Trump, vax, no vax. And I'm like, what happened to the peace of God in the midst of difficult for the believer? And that's when he revealed to me. He said, you've got an entire country that call themselves Christian that doesn't have a biblical worldview. So then I said, okay, Lord, well, then if you'll let me, I'm going to start an online Bible program, Bible school training, online, digital, because I can't get them to come up to the church and listen to me more than once or twice a month on a Sunday. So what I'm going to do is I'll do an online, and they can go through it. They can be trained. I'm going to train as many people in the Bible as I can. And the Lord gave me, gave me peace on it, gave me grace. So I started using my contacts from around the nations, some of the top preachers, some of the top, top leaders in the nation. I'm having lunches and dinners. Hey, look, what if we did an online thing? Not just for, we'll start it, we'll, we'll prototype it at Hill City, but it'll go to all the churches. I mean, we could, just, we could offer it like, like little, little courses, little small courses. We could offer it. It would be awesome. You know, little, little, and we could connect it with some of the, you know, some of the larger universe, Christian universities and give them some kind of like little degree pieces on this. We can get the church trained in what the Bible says. And maybe they were all on board. Let's do it. Let's do it. They were, will, they were willing to have video their teachings. They were willing to come together. We're going to do, you know, these master classes for Christian biblical worldview training. We were all in. I was calling people and setting it all up. And I'm in the middle of it one night, and I'm praying over it at about, about 1130 at night. I'm praying over it, man. I'm praying before the Lord. And all of a sudden, I heard the Lord say, Adam, I actually, if you wouldn't mind, this is how he approached me. Would you pause that? I know I gave you that. Would you pause that? And would you help Christ for the Nation's Bible School again? And I said, I bind every high thought that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. I have a, I have a vision from you. Hill City, we're going to open campuses. We're going to touch people's lives. We're not, Lord, that can't be you. I, I used to do that. I don't do that. I'm a pastor now. I don't do that anymore. And, and, I, and I heard him say again, would you please help him? And I'm a very mature Christian, so my next thing that I did was not mature. It was very immature. I said, Lord, if that's you, then i got to put a fleece before you. Normally, I just say, yes, sir, and I go about it. But like, nah, 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 nah. I'm going to have to test you to see if this is really you. I said, I'm going to put it. And it's usually, that's what immature Christians do. Mature Christians don't do that. We just chase after Jesus. And I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to have the guy who's in charge call me. Now, that was an impossible task. First off, he's a millennial. He's never called anyone. He's texted everyone. He's never called a day in his life. And, um, and so, and I said, um, and the second thing is, uh, is that no one over there had, since I had, was no longer running the Bible school for the last eight years, had ever reached out to me for any kind of help. So that was an impossible task. But I was like, that's, that's, Lord, if you, if this is you, you have this happen. I finished that prayer time at about midnight, 7.30 the next morning. My phone's ringing. I'm still brushing my teeth. And it's this guy, I'm like. You couldn't even give me a full eight hours. Like, what are you doing? I picked up the phone, and in humility, they said, would you help us again? I said, well, let me come meet with you. And they asked me to give a little bit of my time throughout the week to come help them, and I met with the lead team, and they all felt like the Lord was in it. The staff had to pivot a little bit to help me do what God was asking to be done. And so I started helping them, helping them with their online pieces and start training. You know, we even started, I made them, I said, if I'm going to do that, there's something I have very clearly from the Lord. We're going to have to do some little mini courses that everyday folks can take that don't have to go, don't have time to go sit in the Bible school all day long. So we made, made these little mini courses and they're, you know, eight classes, you know, 50 bucks to get you a whole little course and started, I don't know if y'all remember this last year. So we offered some of those to you. It was hand developed by me and a team and, um, and they're still there and we're still developing more and I want every one of you to go for, through them 
because they're real cheap and inexpensive. Get you a great Bible school background training. Get you some word inside of you. Get you knowing God and through his word. And I want you to know something. I found that truth because I was seeking him. Had I not sought him on what can we do to solve this issue, I couldn't have found him. But I'm up at 1130 at night praying over how do we solve this. And I found him. And he pivoted me. And now what I'm doing is impactful. Lives are being changed. It's magnificent. There's joy for me. There's joy for those receiving. There's a, there's a movement in the earth to get people back to the word of God. And I want you to know more than ever before, if you seek him, you will find him. Stop seeking like an elementary kid who doesn't really want to find his shoes. Turn the place over until you find him. Are you with me today? Say yes. Hey, thank you for joining us online here at Hill City. We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today. And I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469-606-2684? And uh, we want to respond and again, just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with Jesus. Don't forget, next week we are here again, same place, same time, 9 o'clock. And until then, we hope you have an amazing week.